Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is how to plot surprises and mysteries in any genre. And before we get started, just like every other time, we're going to talk about what we did this week. So, Holly, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. To this, this was a really, 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 really good week. I'm, I am, I am goofy excited. Um, first off, uh, just a little plug: uh, Hunting the Corrigan's Blood <laughs> is out in its third edition. It has been. S- seriously bug hunted and cleaned up and improved and it's got some additional materials in there and it has cover art by my magnificent daughter Rebecca (laughs) and who is the host of this show and um, I am just so so excited about it and it's up on um, basically all the platforms and uh, we've got uh, both the print version and a um, and the Kindle ebook Apple uh, Kobo, every, every pretty much every place I could get it. Smashwords, it's there. Um, and I am just hunting the Corrigan's blood, the very first Caden Strake novel. And from that's, 1997. Yes, from 1997. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's been around a while. And it's taken me forever to get this series done, but I've got more on that we're coming up on. Okay, um, this week I have also written like a crazy person, not just on the lesson for. Um, how to write not a novel, but uh, I'm on lesson 23 of how to write a novel now. I'm working on that now. But I also got my words on Dead Man's Party, which is novel number one. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff done on Moon and Sun 3, The Emerald Sun, novel number number two. That was on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday when, when I was also working on getting Katie out. And then on Wishbone Conspiracy, which is Caden Strake, novel number three, I got uh, about 2,300 words written for the week. Um, so I, I'm thrilled about that, too. Uh, I am moving along very quickly in that novel, which has been s- just hanging in the back of my head for years now. Um and I, now I'm getting to write it, and it's just falling into place, and I love it when that happens. Oh, yes. and yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it for me. Well, yes. you you had a, a an epiphany when to like falling asleep for a nap. The oh, other day. God, yes. Uh, well, I've, I had a couple of those. One of them was I woke up with with the one nap. I woke up with the ending for Dead Man's Party. Yeah. And holy crap, it's like, oh my God, this is the perfect ending. And usually, you know, if you wake up from a dream, you're, you, the stuff that you that comes to you in the dream turns out to be really stupid, like add more bananas. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, talked about that before, too. I think yeah. you said cookie. Mm, no, I don't remember what it was. Yeah. But yeah. Cookie, cookie munchkin, doesn't... napkin, cheese. Yeah. That's my, that's my novel idea there. Yeah. But no, this, this, I wrote it down. And when I looked at it later, it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's beautiful. So, so yeah, nice. it's been a really good writing week. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. 
Uh, yeah, mine was uh, significantly smaller uh, just because I'm doing, well, I'll talk about that later, but I finished the Caden straight cover. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that was already discussed, so. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. That was oh, your your achievement, too. And I just, just, I was so, so happy with it. happy with it. Yeah, so I have been doing that. I got words on the second Wanda Lucia book. I have, yes. um, yeah. Yeah, I have like 13 or 14 scenes left in that book till it's done into the revision point. So yeah, let's go <laughs> ahead and get to our topic. I'm really, really excited about this. Again, it is how to plot surprises and mysteries in any genre. And uh, Holly created some some free downloadable worksheets that, again, you just go to um, alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. And you can get them for absolutely, you know, for free. There's no email needed, no, no nothing. You just download them. But these, like, you actually kind of need to listen to the episode to, to get yeah. because I was a little, I didn't even know there was a part on there I had to do until I saw Moms. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, wait a minute. Yeah, so you do have, my demo is, is up to... And you can download the um, demo that I did of the screenshots, or a demo that I did of the worksheet with uh, my stuff written in so that you can see where stuff goes. Um, these may not be the most intuitive worksheets I have ever done. No. <laughs> so it probably will be very helpful for you if you download mine too and see how I did them. And uh, also listen to the entire oh. episode before you start working on them just because yeah. like there were some things in there that weren't listed, but I, I had moms to look at, but I didn't have any, any other instructions either. And I'm actually really excited to get into this episode because... I think that this is is something that I really really want to get better at. Mm-hmm. That's well. This is this is how you make your fiction fun for yourself. Um, how you keep yourself interested. How you don't just keep writing the same story over and over and over again, and yes. knowing how everything <laughs> goes. And one of the things I want to get into here before we get actually started on the workshop part of this is that. Every story requires a mystery and a surprise, not just mystery novels. We are not talking about creating mystery novels here. This will work for that, but your objective is to get your readers to be interested in what you're writing and to read your story. And to do that, there has to be something in there that they don't know and want to know. That's their mystery. There has to be something in there that happens that they don't expect to have happen. That's a surprise. Yeah. And, and every good story has mysteries and surprises, multiple places where each time your, your reader thinks, oh, God, no, I know where this is going. Yep. And then it doesn't. They go, oh, my God. Oh, they didn't do what I expected them to do, and this is so cool, and they keep reading. Romance is sorely lacking, sorely lacking in the surprises and mystery department because yes. the majority of the ones I'm reading, even if they are well, well written, you know, the characters have some, some actual character to them. You know, maybe they're a little bit different than the ones I've read before. Um, every, it's still so obvious in a lot of these romances, you know, okay, well, what's coming up next? It's, it's like, it's that formulaic feel mm -hmm. and 
there is no surprise, there's no twist, there's no mystery in like 80% of the romances that are out today. Right. So when you find one that actually does, it's like, oh my God, this is so great. I'm going to buy everything else this person ever wrote. <laughs> yeah, that's, I did that. I did that with, with uh, Jennifer Cruzy. I read one oh, story I remember by her. all of her books sitting around and you reading all of those yeah. Jennifer Cruzy books. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, and I went back and found her, her category romances from when she was just getting started because, and they were not as good as the later stuff. Welcome to Temptation is going to be my, one of my all-time favorite novels. And I'm not even a huge, huge romance fan, Mm-mm. but, but that is one of my all-time favorite novels because it was just great. And it sold all of her books to me, every single one of them. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. So this is what you're doing. You are looking at a way to surprise your reader, to enchant your reader, to delight your reader. And one of the things that you have to get into your head when you do this, and you're going to see examples of this as I go through my stuff right from the very beginning, is that you have to allow yourself to not know what's coming up next. You, you can allow yourself to think that you know. And that's very handy. It's very handy to think that you know where things are going. But even at, even as we start into this, you are going to see where I came up with my story concept. And immediately, as I started answering questions and putting together stuff in the worksheet, I broke it. And this is not a bad thing. This is you coming up with better stuff as you get to your best stuff. And this is part of what writing novels is. Uh, what writing short stories is. It is thinking you know what you're doing and getting something better as you go until you get the best thing as you finish. And then you go back and you revise by, you know, you never touch anything until the, the ending is written. But once you have that written, you go back and you make all the stuff at the beginning fit the stuff at the end. Yeah. And you can, you know what to hide at that point. You know what to yeah. shine a light on to, to do the red herring thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, and I keep telling people this and they find it so hard to believe. You do not know the right beginning for your story until you have written the ending. So everything in first draft, you just don't touch it. You don't mess with it. You can't fix it until you finished it. And then you go back and do one big fix and get it done. And people find that so hard to believe this, but like, no, no, I have mistakes. in the. Yeah, you do, but you don't have any idea yet what they are. Yeah, the thing that drives me nuts is, well, I just don't work that way. Yeah, nobody works that way at the beginning. You have to train yourself. It is another another writer skill mm-hmm. that you have to work on. Um, what we're going to start with with this workshop is that there are things, uh, your question number one is that you ask yourself, just kind of in the back of your head about whatever story it is that you want to write, is what do you know that matters? And question number two is what do you know that doesn't fit. And these are, you, you just kind of let these float back there. And we're going to come back to these uh, from time to time as we go, because I'm going to explain what matters and, and why as I walk you through my sheets. Oh, that's um, not even on the sheets. No, it isn't. This is not on the sheets. This is just kind of a conceptual thing. When you are putting together mysteries and when you are putting together surprises, Um, The first concept is what do you know that matters? And then the second concept is what do you know that doesn't fit? 
And there are things that you find out as you go. There are things, that, and like I said, I, I'm going to go through these. Um, so your process. At the start of the story, uh, what do you know that your reader doesn't know is big, okay? And at the start of the story, this is everything. You know everything you think. And your reader knows nothing. And that's true. You know everything is not true. It feels like you know everything. And then things change. Mm -hmm. um, so the concept of the mystery and the surprise is that these are built from misdirection, from allowing or helping your reader to assume things that are not true, to jump to incorrect conclusions, to look at the wrong pieces of evidence or the wrong suspects first, and to otherwise gently help, and I'm going to kind of use the air quotes there, uh, your reader <laughs> to follow the wrong paths so that you can break out the right path at the right time and delight your reader with your cool surprise. And this works in every single genre on the planet. There is no genre in which misdirection and, and the careful application of some some kind of spiffy uh, look over ooh, look look over here something shiny while you're doing something with the other hand um, that's that's kind of sneaky and and dangerous and cool uh, that there's no genre in which that does not work and in which that does not improve the story so the process is you define your character's problem you build multiple solutions you make some solutions more obvious than others you alternate obvious and tricky wrong solutions and then you present all the pieces for the correct path throughout the story but you hide them with misdirection so you never cheat and and <laughs> i will note also that in first draft you're going to get a lot of this wrong you're going to put pieces in there that turn out not to be necessary you're going to leave out pieces that turn out to be necessary but again you're learning your story as you go. You don't know the story until you write the ending. And then you go back and, and through the magic of revision, you can fix all the stuff that's broken. One time, just one time through to fix it all. People think I'm nuts when I say that, but revision is where I take the ideas that, that got broken in first draft and I turn them into the novel I wanted them to be and generally into a better novel than I imagined they could be. And for me, that's, that's the whole fun of the game. And, the whole, and it's why I love my job so much is because I can make massive mistakes. And I, okay, so let me go ahead and just show you. Because um, the first thing that you do in this workshop is you write down a sentence. And I'm going to walk you through what a sentence, a story sentence. It is a protagonist versus an antagonist um, in a setting with a twist. And um, this is P-A-C-T-S, which is my, my little thing that I came up with for showing people how to remember protagonist, um, antagonist, conflict, setting, twist. Those are the five things that you have to have in a story sentence to make it work. And to do this on the worksheets, you will see if you download mine, um, my sentence is, a cautious librarian lost in a new city must discover the truth behind a series of young women gone missing and the lonely older man who tries to befriend her. This is 30 words. 
And 30 words is the maximum length in which you can do this. And people keep saying, but why? Because it forces you to winnow down to what actually matters. It forces. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people, oh, it's only 31. Oh, it's only Mm -mm. 33. No, it's supposed to be 30. 30, There's a reason for it. Yes, 30 (laughs) is the max. 30 forces you to push your thoughts down to their tightest, most compressed kernels. Okay, but in any way, okay, we've got cautious librarian. That's my protagonist. Lost in a new city um, is the setting. Must discover the truth behind a series of young women gone missing. That's the um, conflict. The lonely older man who tries to befriend her is a potential antagonist, but that didn't quite work out the way I anticipated. So So the next thing we're going to do, and Becky's got her worksheets here too. So why don't you go ahead and give them your sentence for the story? Okay. My sentence took about freaking 30 minutes to whittle down because unlike you, I used an idea um, that I had already built and already actually started writing, I think. So um, this is, my sentence turned out to be the daughter of an executed serial murderer returns home to both a handsome new neighbor and a familiar series of murders, and she knows she must identify the killer or be next. Very nice. Okay, so give them give protagonist, antagonist, conflict, setting Oh, yeah, okay. So daughter of an executed serial murderer is the protagonist. Um, the, let me see, uh, returns home, that's the setting. The conflict is the familiar series of murderers. Mur- murders, not murderers. <laughs> the um, possible antagonist, uh, handsome new neighbor, or you know the murderer, the killer. That's that's the antagonist to me is the killer, and the twist is that she might be next if she doesn't identify. Yes, him. yes, and there you go. I think I covered everything. Yep, that got it. That's all in there. Okay, so now the first thing that you're going to do on your worksheet is you're going to identify how do I define the character's problem and the problem is different than what you have in the sentence because for me um, Liz that's my librarian is shy quiet well-read observant fearful she notices a similarity between an old disappearance of a town girl five years earlier and a new disappearance and she catches a connection between the two missing women and a man who suddenly appears in the library trying to befriend her Okay, as I go through this, you're going to see that there are a lot of things about this that that kind of fall apart. But part of doing this process is eliminating in advance mistakes that you could make that will then require revision. Uh, There's a lot of this stuff that you can catch in first draft and fix it as you're coming up with your idea if you think about it. So, So this is cutting out a lot of what would have to be revised later. Okay, so... Becky, go ahead and what's, what, how do you define your character's problem? Um, so how do I define the character's problem? Sai is the daughter of a fairly f- infamous serial killer. She's an artist that has changed her name and done well. When her ex gets caught cheating, he makes it known who her father is and Sai must leave. What a douche. Fult- <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> Fulton Hills is the only home she knows before her father was exposed and moves back. Even I have problems with my handwriting. <laughs> As she arrives, the cute photographer next door becomes interested in her, and the murders start up that night. Women, her father's type, 
her father's M.O. Oh, nice. Very nice. Okay. The next question on this worksheet is, okay, well, before we do that, you, you kind of, as you define the character's problem, you are looking at the situation from the character's point of view. And you can do these worksheets. Becky and I were talking about this too before we got started on the show. Um, you can do a set of these worksheets for each character if you want to. If you are not yeah. entirely certain how you want the story to go, you can do your one, one protagonist. You can do a different possible protagonist. You can do something from the antagonist's point of view and answer all the same questions because... All of these characters have a problem. All of them. The end. Yeah. 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 That's that's what I was going to say was even if you are sure of or you think you're sure of what your story is going to be, what everybody wants, whatever. It's, it's a really awesome freaking way to get inside of a different character, to come up with different ideas, to come up with all of these different answers in here. And it adds a level of conflict. So if you have issues with conflict in your story... I, I think doing this from everybody's different perspective is just amazing. Right, right. Because then then you have different surprises. You have different points of view. You have different angles. If Becky did this from her serial killer's point of view, then all of a sudden the problem would be, well, well how do I pick these people and make it look like it was so-and-so's father doing it again from beyond the grave? Yeah. Yeah. How do I do that? Or some other thing. Um so, okay, so then you go to the next question. What are all the characters' possible solutions? And this is, I, you, there's a lot of space on the worksheet for this. I have, what, um, God, two, three, five, eight, five, thirteen possible, possible solutions. Because if you're doing this, <clears throat> excuse me, at novel length, you're going to want to hit a few things that are kind of obvious first. And then eliminate them quickly so that the person who's reading the book goes, oh, shit, I thought that was going to be it. I thought I knew it. And it's already obviously it's not that. So then what is it? And then you break out the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And um, this is this is fun. This is this is where I learn how to be all twisty. And this is the process that I do that with. And people people comment on how twisty my stuff is and how how I keep surprising them. This is that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, like the Longview series, I know there was that. Yeah, quite a few people that were surprised. Yeah, it's, and I knew that the biggest twist of all I knew from when I built that first little concept map. I knew, I knew, and I wrote toward that ending from the very beginning, and I left little notes and little little tiny hints all through the series toward it. But I kept them small. I kept them in the background. I kept my mouth shut about it elsewhere. And at the ending, it was like, pow. And I was so happy. I was so damn happy. (laughs) All right. So we've got a possibility of 13 uh, solutions for the character. And you can print off extra extra sheets if you need them. If you're writing a 200,000-word novel, you might need more. Okay. So, you know, having been there, yeah. Okay. So what my solutions are. Uh, the young woman, the young women are being abducted and murdered by the friendly man who plans to make her a target as well. Okay, that is um, really on the nose, obvious, and it's marked that way on the web, uh, on the uh, the worksheet. It's that's the obvious solution. Oh yes, he's trying to, be, to befriend her, therefore he is the killer. Okay, <laughs> so that's the one that we're going to get rid of pretty quickly. 
Um, <clears throat> Liz is the principal suspect, getting rid of rivals for someone's attention, and two further disappearances will finally provide proof for the friendly man who is a secret detective. Now, that is a, a kind of a likely twist if your mind thinks this way, uh, that, okay, well, the protagonist is is the villain. Um, and, you know, my, my mind goes to that a lot. Is, is that a possibility? That's one of the first things I check out. In this case, it's not. So that's another one of the things I will eliminate early in the story if I ever wrote this. Um, this is just a dummy story for me. This was just a thing so I could test stuff out. <clears throat> okay. Now, the third is that the two women who went missing are sisters, uh, gotten away from their vile, manipulative mother by the father who loved them both and was never permitted to see them. Now, this I consider kind of an interesting twist. I have that marked on here as, okay, they're, they're not actually missing. They were rescued. And the, the people who are, you know, fomenting for their, their return are very, very bad people. But that puts something in the back of my mind that shows up later. And it's part of what I'm talking about when I say the story idea that you're coming up with can go in a lot of directions you don't expect. So um, next solution here is Liz is the sleuth and the friendly man is a local historian and they team up to track down a serial killer inhabiting the town for the past 15 years. Now this I have in brackets as painfully expected. I really, I would be dubious about even throwing this in there. Because in so many instances, the solution is, yes, it's a serial killer. Yes, he's been inhabiting this area for a long period of time. And people just now noticed. Um, so, come on. Go deeper. Okay, so the next one is the missing women are members of a local unsuspected crime family whose planned disappearances mask large serious crimes they've committed diverting attention to family pleas for their return this i consider also pretty interesting that, that's cool yeah that they they you know they they ripped off million dollar artifacts or something for or they did you know they did something heinous and then they disappeared and because they're part of this crime family well hidden tucked away that's um they get away with it because they're supposedly you know everybody's thinking, oh, God, they're dead in the ditch somewhere, please. You know, their their faces are on milk cartons or, you know, whatever <laughs> anybody's doing these days. Um, yeah, it's up Instagram, on the internet. Facebook. Yeah. Yes, Facebook Tweets. and Twitter. And they're, oh, God, they're gone. Help us find them. And they're not missing. They're just hiding out with with their their loot. Okay, so that, I thought, was an interesting possible twist. Okay, the two missing women are only the tip of an iceberg. Now, this is the next one, and this is, again, a completely different possible solution. Um, they are only the tip of an iceberg, as the history of the town reveals women who match their description going missing for more than 150 years. This hmm. is a very different direction, and this is the one where my brain went ding, 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 we have a winner. Yeah, and I was going to say I, that's that's. Uh, I have something a little bit like that mm -hmm. in one of my Fulton Hill stories. That is awesome. I really like that. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the one where I broke my sentence. Yep, <laughs> that's the one right there. But that's the one. But but it's okay because it's in. It's not even in first draft. This yeah. is in thinking up the ideas for the story. And if you go through this process, you can stop a lot of your obvious solutions and and get the story onto an interesting path that you really want to follow 
early on. And you can go back and fix the sentence, which you can revise the sentence. That's okay. We allow that. That's that's a thing that you can change. Um, it's just once you get started writing the novel, you don't fix what you've written. But but going through and fixing your story concept in advance of writing the story, that's okay. All right. So with with my uh, six different concepts out of out of a, you know as many as I could have gone, when I got to the winner, I stopped. So go ahead. Well. A sense, and again, if you're listening to this, you're listening to two different versions of using this because Holly created a story. I worked on one that I already had. Right. Now, I already knew what I wanted as far as the murderer to be. So what I did and I hadn't done in the book before was to create those other possible solutions. So this is only helping to make the story stronger. So... I wrote, her father's spirit has come back to Fulton Hills and is murdering his victims, but at the same time is constantly thwarted in his attempts to kill her. Nice. So that's one possible solution. The neighbor is obsessed by the crimes of her father, has been since a child, knows who she is and wants to be with her and show her the love he has for his hero's daughter through murder. Yeah, to me that that that's the one that seems kind of obvious. Yeah, except except that I want also for his his point of view to matter. But this is this gave me a really really cool side to him that I didn't know, and that it 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 kind of gives you an ability to to kind of show the reader another possibility. And maybe try to pretend to hide it since you're reading from his point of view too. Yeah. So the reader's going to think, oh, well, this is this is the one. But she's trying to hide it. But I'm not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the third one, and that's where I stopped. Someone who was a rando at the beginning. Just a random person. I, I say rando. <laughs> at the beginning is doing copycat killings. And they only become known now because his original murders were in Standing River. Or... They don't look like murders. Writing is a process, and part of the process is thinking the way through your story and coming up with better ideas in advance if you can. And, you know, you, you saw me go through six ideas, and I will use a bunch of them, but the, the one that, that I came up with for that that I love uh the two missing women are only the tip of the iceberg and there's there have been women in this area going missing for 150 years okay so then we go to the next section so the next part of what we're doing now is we are answering how do I present the pieces of each possible wrong solution and I have a number of wrong solutions so I'm going to show you uh how I how I will deal with each one okay now and I need to mention here that where I broke my sentence in this, um, my sentence, as you remember, was a cautious librarian lost in a new city must discover the truth behind a series of young women gone missing and the lonely older man who tries to befriend her. The part of that that breaks is that she cannot be lost in a new city. She is a citizen, needs to have been... Um, a citizen, although maybe, you know, very shy, very backward, whatever, in this relatively, like, middle-sized community, maybe, you know, a few hundred thousand people, 
Okay, I, I thought it was that you know she only now, but th- she only linked the new murder with an old one just now. It seemed kind of like, but that that doesn't make sense because I guess that's how she keeps digging and and deeper and finds right, right. So okay. yeah, so she's so she is from the town. Um, she could in fact be a potential for what's coming because she fits the description. And I have mentioned somewhere else in here that she fits the description. So, but she is not, she is not new in town. Okay. And that, that turns out to be an important thing that will have to be changed in my rewrite of the sentence. If I were to write this, I don't think I will, but you know, if I were to write this, this is what I would do. Okay. So, um, my wrong, how do I present the pieces of each possible wrong solution? Okay, I'm going to eliminate the obvious as my first step. Liz promptly suspects the friendly man, since she matches the description of the two missing women. Um, I decided she has long black hair and blue eyes. But she discovers through research that he's been tasked with finding them. Okay, I've got in quotation marks, by whom? And that eliminates him as the obvious suspect because she thinks he's the obvious suspect. And as she investigates him, discovers, no, he's actually been hired by someone, and we don't know who yet, um, to find them. Now, the second of my options is Liz destroys old letters, pictures of one missing woman who was once a friend, refuses to discuss the relationship, and is evasive when questioned. That is my... uh, nod to uh, her being the principal subject. Now, if I were going to make her, <clears throat> if I want her to be considered as a possibility, having her do this would be um, highly suspicious. And then I would have to go back later and explain why she did it. Okay, so then she has to have a really good reason for destroying old letters, pictures of one of the missing women um, who was once a friend, not discussing whatever the relationship was between the two. Um, She has to be evasive when questioned, but she has to have a good reason. Um, But that is part of telling the story. That's not when you're setting up the mysteries. You don't have to come up with the solutions now. You do that while you're writing. So then the next problem I deal with is um, the next possibility, which is Liz and the friendly man uncover evidence of crimes at the time of dis- at times of disappearances, and when they look, find evidence of connection between the missing women and the crimes. Now, this can work one of two ways. I can keep this even though I have decided that the 150-year thing is um, part of what's going on because if the person responsible for the disappearances of these women wants to make it look like they were guilty of something, then they can steal things, have those things disappear at the time of the uh, the woman's disappearance and go say see see look at that look at that they're they're not dead they're thieves they're oh they're God. horrible people and we're well rid of them and you know yes obviously the FBI should be called in and should be sent to find them but that's, that's cool. just right see because that then just covers the truth with a plausible truth. Okay, and that's part of what you're doing when you're building a mystery. Misdirection. You have somebody who says, okay, this is the reason they're gone. See that million-dollar vase? The Ming vase? Gone. Yeah, they did it. 
Okay, so then the next thing is, uh, my next solution is, but the women were our, our secret half-sisters. Okay, and um, this is where, again, my brain started throwing in some stuff that I'm going to be able to use. So this is going to be tied in with, um, yeah, the, the two women are sisters. They were away from their vile, manipulative mother. Okay, so this is, they're not sisters. They're half-sisters. And this turns out to be important, okay? Their two mothers admit the connection uh, and claim to hate the guy who abandoned them both. And both of them are lying about the nature of the relationship because at this point, I was my brain was already working on that 150-year thing. And the fact that the two women have two children, two unrelated women have two children by the same man, and both of these sisters have disappeared is important. And it okay. goes with the 150 years. This is very, very complex. Yes, it is. Okay, so then my next solution also in this part of it is they discover the lie when they find the father of both the missing women who describes both town women and a number of others pursuing him until he got them pregnant and then dumping them. Dumping them or dumping him? No, they dumped him. Okay. They got pregnant and then they never wanted to have anything to do with him again. Okay, and he has proof of this. He has all of these little love letters and shit they wrote him. And, oh, my God, you're so wonderful. You're so wonderful. I'm pregnant. Get out of my life. Wow. Okay, <laughs> yes. So why would they do that? And that's where we get down to more mystery stuff. Okay, so now Liz and her friendly old buddy uh, do some careful and dig dangerous digging into the history of the town, which reveals a history of young women with black hair and blue eyes going missing once about every 20 years or so. And I think if these two are half-sisters, maybe a little bit closer to each other than that so that the guy has, you know, has a chance to have fathered maybe two or three of these girls. Um, yeah, because, and, and to, you know, they always end up gone and he never gets to meet them and, and he's, you know, he's kind of just piffed about this. Um, so then the next part of that is uh, the first founding of the town 150 years ago we discover was by members of a cult who chose the town for its system of winding natural caves. And this comes, I pull from my own personal history of this, because when I lived in Jandaden Hutton, Ohio, we had this series of caves that were in the hills, and they had been inhabited by the, the local Indian tribe for, um, you know, centuries. And they're still there. And uh, they were, I wandered around in them with supervision when I was a child because they were extensive. And if, you know, people who could have gotten lost could have not gotten found again. So, um, but there, there's, you know, this stuff that you do when, you, when you're a kid sticks in the back of your head. And all of a sudden, there it is as an idea. Oh my God, those caves, they would be perfect. So, um, I then go to uh, Liz and her partner discover a gateway into another world, uh, which is a door kept open by human sacrifice for the power it gives the so far immortal city founders. Okay, so this at this point has taken this 
way out of the realm of uh, murder mystery, serial killer mystery. All of a sudden, we're in the middle of, of paranormaldom, which all of a sudden, this hit my bailiwick. And I'm going, yeah, this would actually be kind of fun to write. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now that I've given away the ending and shown how I got there, not so much. But, <laughs> you know, so this is just a burner idea. This is, this is something I'm throwing out there as this is how it's done, and I'm not going to write this because, well, I, I, you know, gave away the ending. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's that's what you do. So then, how do I hide the next well, question? Oh, okay, go ahead. Oh, sorry, your turn. Yeah, you're you're so into your your idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah a, little, a little sucked into that crazy story there. Yes. Um, well, mine. So it's like, how do I present the pieces of each possible wrong solution? I only have three because. Um, I only had three of, of the the things that I mentioned earlier. So it's um, have neighbor's obsession with death and then the occult show through in including, oh, including, <laughs> including her father, um, his, oh yeah, it, the, the explanation why he's so obsessed with all of this stuff and her father because I already decided that I wanted to keep him good the explanation is his aunt was one of his victims okay that's a good reason for an obsession yeah he had no idea who the main character was while the whole town knows who her father was so like she's already she's changed her name she doesn't look necessarily like her father so she's okay she's like nobody knows who she is even though she thinks that everybody does you know because that's her life. That's been her life. Right. Um, there are differences in the copycat killings and they would be pointed out shining way brightly. So like this is, this is the differences that the ghost has unfortunately made because serial killers, some of them are product killers and some of them are process killers. And he is a process killer. He enjoys the process. Um, people yeah. like Dahmer were a product killer. So they might have killed differently. The end goal for him was the dead body. The mm-hmm. zombie, zombified person, the body. So he is a process killer, meaning he enjoys the process. So the fact that he, as a ghost, cannot kill the same way, it it, it bothers him, but it also makes the copycat person more of a realistic suspect right because it's not his original mo there are differences so that would Mm -hmm. shine brightly then the other one is she would have her own suspect because she is desperate to solve this whole issue and because this has been her life so she's terrified of these kind of things so Mm -hmm. therefore her mind is looking for reasons why this suspect is the man and not looking for the ways that he could not be so she is trying to, because she's desperate to find the murderer, um, and she has a suspect in mind, she's looking for all the reasons why this is her person, why this is the killer. Right. She's trying and, to make it fit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't realize what she's doing. But it's a very natural thing that people do. Um, if they want this solution, they're going to find reasons why this is the solution instead of finding instead of trying to debunk it right so those those were my and i don't know if i did that right but it seems like i did yes 
Yes, okay, cool. those, are, those are all really good. Okay, so then the last part of this process is you ask the question, how do I hide the pieces of the character's correct solution? Um, and my first answer here is I have Liz notice an old picture of the town's first founders and comment on how much the current mayor looks like the first mayor in the town. That the first mayor from 150 years ago when, you know, they cut the ribbon on the town and, and he was the mayor and yeah. Okay. My second, how do I hide the pieces of the care? And, and you just, when you're doing this, it's, it's kind of casual. You, you present it in a scene where a lot of other important things are going on and you have an important discussion going on and you have her just look at that and say, oh my God, you really look like, and he says, oh yeah, that was my, my we, we were actually related somewhat. And then that's it. And it's gone. It was this neat little bit of trivia that. that well, and he, as they dig deeper <clears throat> and they find out this has been happening for 150 years, you're going to be stuck thinking, okay, well, maybe the mayor is involved. Maybe it's a right. family thing. Right. You know, you don't realize that it is the same dude. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so then you focus on the mundane facts of the case, but give Liz nightmares and the paranoid sense that she is being watched when she's alone. And if she's from the town she, and she has the black hair and the blue eyes, she could be someone who is being considered for this. She might not be, be because if the sacrifices are, are done on blood lineage and there are a number of possible candidates who fit inside of this, you know, the, the guy who was chosen could have been one of a number of brothers or cousins or whatever, and all of them could have fathered female children who during the right time period could have been eligible. And she was just a little too old or a little too young or something to make her at, at the time that that last sacrifice was needed or at the time that this sacrifice was needed, she was just a little off. So they had a better candidate. So she wasn't chosen, luckily for her. But um, so you focus on the mundane facts of the case. But she is having nightmares. And if she is one of these people, if there is some sort of connection between her and what, we're, what, what we have coming, which is this portal, this immortality portal, then those she could be having these paranormal paranormal connections to this thing especially if she's blood lineage she's connected somehow to it okay so then um you make a couple of references to events at the caves which is the local tourist destination um and but again it's just this sort of casual thing. Oh, we had a kid lost in the caves. Uh, and we had to send a search team in, and they found him. And they found him, you know, soon enough that he was still basically okay. He had to go to the hospital. He had to have some IVs for fluids. But, you know, and, and they're talking again about boarding up the entrance to the caves. But, you know, they never do it because the tourist, it's, a, it's the only tourist attraction the town has. So is those caves. So they never board them up. But... And, and then you move on. Okay, so then you have, again, planted this little clue that there's something about the caves. And then um, you notice that council members who step down uh, because you have, let's say that the mayor is kind of old and he steps down and his, 
he has uh, someone, he still has a little bit of his term to serve. So his younger somebody is coming in. He's going to retire to Florida and his younger so-and-so is going to come in and just kind of fill out the, the thing for his last part of his term because he's, he's, you know, the doctor says he's going to have a stroke if he doesn't move and, and so on. Okay. So you plant in there. Okay. Well, he's old and they've got this thing in line and he's got this great kid who's coming in. And then the younger person comes in and stands in temporarily only to be elected by the town to as the next mayor. Okay, same dude. They did their little sacrifice. The old guy left. The, the, he goes through the portal. He comes back young. And uh, he has already written his, he's already told people, you know, I've got to go to Florida. I just, I can't stand it here anymore. The weather's killing me. It's cold in Ohio. And, you know, Florida or, you know, wherever this is. Um, and then he comes back as the young guy and it's, oh, hey, yeah, sure. You, yeah, hey, wow. Yeah. Welcome to town. We're really glad you're back. Uh, we're really glad you're here. We kind of vaguely remember you when you were a kid lying. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's how that would work. And uh, all you do is you build little tiny pieces of the truth that you drop in and write over so that you're, they're, just, they're just there. And you're not cheating. You're telling the truth from the very, very beginning. You're just pointing people at other more likely solutions. Yeah. Okay. And now it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, again, I don't, uh, mine is a lot less. Um, but explain away the ghostly shit at night with her PTSD and associated nightmares and panic and anxiety attacks and stuff like that. Because again, her father was a serial killer Uh who, you know, uh, they, they tend to be sociopaths. So as she was growing up, she didn't have the best childhood. Then she had all of that media circus when her father ended up being a serial killer. And that was a huge thing. And then her father was executed you know, and he was an infamous serial killer. So it, it, yeah. her father is everywhere. You know what I mean? So this is this is a big deal. So she has a lot of um, mental issues with this. And some of the stuff that happens is stuff that she has dealt with in the past. Thinking that somebody is watching her. Thinking that she's not alone. Hearing random noises. Thinking that she sees her father everywhere. This is yeah. shit that happens anyway. Right, that makes perfect sense, and she would. Yeah, that it, it, it fits her life. Yes. So another one is she doesn't believe in ghosts because there are enough evils humans do without adding ghosts to the mix. So she is very, very much of this world. Obviously, she believes in human evil enough that you know ghosts aren't even on her radar. Right. And she was and so young when she lived in Fulton Hills that she doesn't know about <laughs> Fulton Hills. Yeah. You know? Hi, honey. Welcome home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and the fact that she went back. Again, Fulton Hills <gasps> keeps its people. Yeah. Um, the physical deaths themselves leave physical evidence behind that doesn't indicate ghost death, but that another person is involved. So there is a physical, there is evidence that is being left behind, trace evidence, that that would indicate, you know, that it's a normal murder, you know? So mm-hmm. 
but maybe the paranormal group in in Fulton Hills might be looking at it differently. I don't know. Or maybe maybe they see the trace evidence and they walk away. They're like, no, no, that's you know. <laughs> yes. I don't know yet. But it's it did give me um, again. I was working on something that was already put together, so I used it more as a as a kind of deepener. Yeah, I like do a brainstorming of, sheet. Yeah. I do kind of wish that I had pulled out a romance because what we did, we both did these paranormal suspense things. I didn't and, intend to, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were still doing a murder mystery. Right. And I was doing a murder mystery, <laughs> paranormal yes. murder mystery. And we start this off by saying that it's not just a murder mystery. <laughs> right. Yes, this is true. Right, but this, the process itself, you can, if you are daring, you can just go ahead in and try answering these questions for whatever genre you're writing in. You will find that this process will give you a bunch of different ways you can take the story, a bunch of deeper things you can do with the story, and will improve your idea uh, because it will give you some, some things that you had not considered until you ask these questions and until you push your brain to come up with multiple answers, some of which you already know are wrong, but none of which you have determined as you're coming up with them are wrong. You, you allow yourself to ask the question and just come up with, okay, well, any of these answers that I'm coming up with could be the right one. I haven't decided yet which one is. And when you get to the one that is, you can keep going or you can stop like I did. And say, okay, well, you know, this is this is the one that I want to write towards because this is just too cool. Um, but you will find that you, you by building in these kinds of surprises and misdirections and little places where where you are taking the reader in directions in, in wrong directions intentionally, while not cheating your stories will get a lot tighter and it will be a lot easier for you to place them with markets because at the point where you're not writing the same obvious thing that everybody else is writing, then you can get um, editors to keep turning your pages because they're going, oh, I thought, I thought obvious thing was what was going to be the end of the book. And she's already eliminated that in chapter one. Holy crap, what is the actual thing? And that helps. That helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, surprising an editor can't be easy, but doing this kind of process and, you know, figuring out what the obvious stuff is and, and knocking them off left and right, that, that mm-hmm. would be a really good way to do it. So is there anything else you want to add before we get to the takeaway? Um, I don't think so. I think that pretty much has covered it. And I think we did some pretty good demos to, to help people get through the worksheets. Yeah. And yeah. And again, you know, no, no sign up or anything required to get the worksheets. Just go to the page, download them, yeah. print we'll them off. Yeah, have it in the, sh- the show notes too. So if you yeah. can't find the download page, just go to the show notes. Uh, that's at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. Just go to the most recent uh episode you'll see the title click on that and then inside the show notes there'll be links to everything we discussed today pretty much yes but the download page also is uh linked on the right 
and yeah. you can yeah so in the sidebar on the right hand sidebar you just click downloads and it'll take you to the download page and we have a lot of stuff now at this point where <laughs> that, that, that people yeah. can download yeah so if you haven't listened to all of the episodes um, t- take a look at the download see which ones you want to go listen to and, and enjoy yourself <laughs> yes okay so the takeaway here is as follows okay follow hunches allow yourself to explore strange directions where your muse, your right brain leads. You do this by asking those questions and giving yourself as many possible answers as you can come up with. You know, be that I, I wrote a lot of blanks into the worksheet to give you room to come up with a lot of different possibilities. Um, every next twist that you make creates a new clear path. So this is when, when I was going through my list of things and I was knocking off, okay, what's well, not this? Um, and that was the, like the second of the fill-out worksheets where you're going, okay, well, okay, first I'm going to deal with the obvious path. I'm going to eliminate that. So then I move to the next question that I was having them explore. That becomes, for your reader, the next clear path. The next thing that the reader is looking at is, oh, okay, I see where she's going with this. This is the next answer. So then you run a little with that. And then you eliminate it. And the reader goes, what? <laughs> and that's what you're looking for is, oh, I thought, okay, so I thought it was the first thing it wasn't. And I thought it was the second thing and it wasn't. And now, holy crap, I'm not sure what the third thing might be, at which point you bring in the third wrong answer <laughs> and you build little pieces of that. And for each of these, as you go back through in revision, you set up places for each possible wrong answer where you're giving little hints. You don't do it in first draft because in first draft, you don't know what the story is. You don't know the right ending until you've written it, at which point you then learn what the right beginning will be. And you go back and you fix all of this stuff. But as you're writing, you can be following this process, okay, of, okay, well, now now we're going to show them a few things from this other thing that isn't right, but that could be right, that seems plausible. And then you build that out, and you eliminate it, and then you build out the next thing, always leaving these little trails of the true thing hidden, just tiny little pieces of true thing that are hidden. Okay, so, so that is every next twist creates a new clear path. Okay, the the third takeaway is dare to surprise yourself. Do not assume when you write your story sentence that that's what the story is going to be about because that's just your first idea. It's not your best idea. And as you follow this process, your ideas will get better. And finally, don't touch the story until you finish writing it. You revise to make all the pieces fit. You do not go back and fix things to make the pieces fit in first draft. You just let them sit there broken. They will not change while you're not looking. You will be able to fix all the shit that broke when it's done. But until you've written the ending, you don't know the best possible ending. And the best possible ending gives you a different beginning. And until you've written the ending, you don't know the best best possible beginning. So... That's our takeaway. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a long takeaway. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's all important stuff. So, and it's, 
I don't know. I really like this episode, and I think I'm actually going to take these. Um, this when you were just talking about the uh, second point, I realized I could actually use these sheets with the second book in the Wanda Lucia series. I kind of need to, yeah, kind of need to figure some stuff out because my muse keeps throwing stuff at me, and even though I'm only 14 scenes from the end, I'm still not 100% sure who the antagonist is. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. It's it's surprising to even moi. Awesome. Uh, um, oh, I've done that. That's fun. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Literally jinx. Yeah. Um, it's crazy, but it's fun. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so that has been our episode on how to plot surprises and mysteries in any genre. If you have any questions, you can leave them on the alonewithinvisiblepeople.com page. But if you want to join in in the conversation in the community that we're building for the Alone in a, Alone in a Room with Invisible People podcast, you can go to hollyswritingclasses.com and sign up for a free account. I don't, uh, again, we've had some people that, you know, didn't realize that, that you have you know, could get in for free and just be a part of the forums. You don't have to buy something. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to buy anything. I appreciate become... it if you do. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> but that you don't would, have to, that would be supporting, you know, the, the podcast through supporting Holly. But yeah. again, we are trying to reach out to everybody. So it is a free account. Um, you don't have to give your real name. You can even use the pen name. For the account, you know, it's, it's, that's absolutely fine. So you sign up for there, you go into the Alone in a Room with Invisible People podcast forums and, you know, comment on the episode that you are, you know, you have questions about, or if something that we said left you a little bit confused, let us know. Um, so yeah, the, the forums are absolutely 100% free and you also get a absolutely 100% free, uh, flash fiction course how to write flash fiction that does not suck it is a three-week course and it is freaking awesome so that is Thank how you. to get in contest with you're welcome with us there <laughs> um you can follow us on the social meds <laughs> it's at a-i-a-r-w-i-p at twitter and instagram or alone in a room with invisible people on facebook um, we would like to thank very, very deeply all of our patrons and our uh, one-time supporters. If you want to join in and become, you know, a supporter on a regular basis, we do have a Patreon. It is at AIA, or you could just look up AIARWIP, or you can look up Alone in a Room with Invisible People, Alone with Invisible People. Um, <laughs> I am putting together February's reward, and this reward goes for all tiers. Uh, I do not have the capability to do a second or third re reward at this moment. We are working on some ideas, but, you know, I'm, I will post a what we're struggling with right now on the Patreon so you guys can know kind of what our goals are and what we're looking at for the future. But if you would like to support the podcast on a one-time basis or on an whenever you feel like it basis we do have that option as well if you go to the alone with invisible people.com page on the top right there are three different levels that you can choose to support the podcast at and again in a broader spectrum if you want to support the podcast by supporting its sponsor holly you can you know buy 
her fiction, you can buy her courses, you can buy her workshops, or you can go and support her fiction by going to her patron, which is Holly Lyle, H-O-L-L-Y-L-I-S-L-E, on Patreon. And you can, you know, I think the tiers were what, one, two, and five? five? Yeah, yeah, $1, $2, and $5. And you're supporting her fiction. And all of her rewards are listed, so go take a look there. And I believe that that is it. Um, looking forward to our next week. Uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I'll just tell you now. It is about, uh, we don't have a title for it yet, but it's basically about writing sex and romance in your fiction. And it doesn't have to be a romance genre. It can be any genre. It's just about that topic. And I figured that really fit for February. I tried to get it in <laughs> on the, um, uh, you know, Valentine's week, but it's going to be the Tuesday after Valentine's day. Yes. So yeah, that was, that was, that's my, my want to put, you know, that into our podcast. So this one might not be for everybody, but if you write, you know, any kind of sex scene for your, for your book or any kind of romance thread in the book, um, I think that Holly has a, a lot of, of really cool ideas and, and well, I write from clean, no sex, just implied to, uh, some, some relatively raunchy stuff. So yeah, uh, she's, depending she's got on a lot genre. of stuff in there. Yeah. She's got a lot of romance and relationships in her work and yeah. they're really well done. I, I have read a lot of really shitty romances and really bad, you know, <laughs> sex scenes and otherwise very good books. So it's, it's, um, it'll be a fun topic. So that's, that's for me. I just thank you guys so much for listening, Holly. And thank you. And good luck with introducing mystery and misdirection into your fiction. Go out, kick some ass, have some fun and amaze yourself. Share what you get on the, on the forums too. Yes. Yes, please. I didn't even think about that. You know, let us know how it goes. And now a word from our sponsor. You want to write? You love words, you love fiction, but you don't know where to start or how to middle or where to finish. I do. I'm Holly Lyle, and I've been doing this professionally since 1991. And I know how I did what I did to go pro, and I'll be happy to show you what I've learned. Start with my free three-week flash fiction class at hollyswritingclasses.com.